Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Got our Every Day is Earth Day program coming right up now. It is supported by Minnesota Valley Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It's a member of NCUA, more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. And joining me today is one of our naturalists in the area is Scott Kadelka to talk about things happening at the parks. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Karen. Oh my goodness, it's so great that things are starting to kind of come back and open up a little now that the masks mandate has been uh, revised. And so I'm sure you're pretty excited as a naturalist to get out and, and do your educating again. Yeah, um, we've been doing a lot of virtual programs, but to actually do some in-person programs at the state parks um, is definitely something I'm looking forward to. Now, I want to talk about our closest park here in the Mankato area, area, and that is the Miniopa State Park, about the bison. That's a big draw for a lot of people to come to the area. What's happening with the bison these days? Well, we had 32 animals going into the spring, and as far as I know, at least up until yesterday, we have 10 new calves. Um, Yeah, there might be one or two more, but we should be pretty much at the end. Um, exciting was yesterday when I uh, drove through in the morning and uh, saw a cattle egret um, sitting among the bison. In fact, um, it's actually a fairly rare sighting to see this bird. And it uh, was right in the middle of the herd, and then it actually moved and sat on our bull. <laughs> and then a few hours later, um, they had moved from, uh, they were by the road um, just south of the Setman Mill, and then they moved to the corral area uh, a couple hours later, and I actually caught the bird flying in as they were moving over, and then it sat on a hay bale. Um, so it's really interesting at how it was actually following the herd. Do you think they're they're nesting there, or you know, since it's a new thing you've seen? Um, I guess I would have, it's high, yeah, very hard to say. I'm not that much of a bird expert to say one way or another, but uh, Tim Pulis, our bison ambassador, said that it was rare sighting to see here. Um, so just something really exciting, and hopefully it will stick around for a while. Now, the bison at the, the Minneopa State Park are on the prairie area, and can you tell us a little history of that area? Because it was restored, wasn't it, or is this one of the, the original prairies left? I'm just curious how that came about yeah uh, so that's the campground side Um, we purchased uh, that back in the mid 60s Um, we got lucky it was uh, most of that land over there was purchased just about a thousand acres by the Setman two Setman brothers so two sons of Lewis Setman who had built the Setman mill Um, and actually that helped us keep as a state park because up until that point we only had the waterfalls area at 112 acres, and they were thinking about getting rid of it as a state park. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so we got really lucky, purchased that land. In fact, the city of Mankato, the community, rallied around that and helped that happen. Um, that prairie there, for the most part, uh, was never broken up, as you can tell when you drive through, um, because of all the rocks. And then not 
much topsoil, maybe a foot, a foot and a half, and then you run into the sandstone. Um, and so mostly was grazed by the Setmans for cattle and sheep. And just a small area, um, just uh, north of the Highway 68, there's actually a small field there. But that was the only area that was broken up for cropland. And as far as the way the prairie looks at one point, is that how most of Minnesota looked? Because, you know, we were trying to preserve, I think, seeing what it looked like way back when. And would you say that's a good indication with the bison and everything now? Yeah, I mean, we still have problems with woody vegetation. Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't get in there and burn as much as we want. Um, And now with the bison, of course, we're hoping that will also help out um, it, it would have been definitely for the southern part of Minnesota. And then um, as you work up on that western edge in the Red River Valley. And, you know, prairie is one of the, you know, ecosystems that has really fragmented and uh, less than 1% actually original prairies left um, here in southern Minnesota. Well, that's that's actually really pretty significant uh, loss of that prairie land. Yes. And I know a lot of people are trying to plant pollinator gardens and things to bring back some of the, the prairie plants because they're good for the soil and also bring back pollinators. Yeah, um, that is a great thing that you can do something really easy. Like I have coneflower and milkweed. Um, once it's established, you really don't have to do anything. And you will be amazed at the number of uh, native bees and other pollinators that will be attracted to those wildflowers. I've been really excited because I planted one of those pocket pollinator gardens out at uh, my lake property on Lake Washington. And I have had a lot of rusty patch bumblebees, which is just the coolest thing because, you know, they were at one point considered um, endangered. Well, they still are. Well, they still are. If that's what you have out there, I think, you know, we would definitely be interested and checking that out because that is, um, and that's that's the problem. You know, we don't have those wildflowers like we used to have. And you think about just how things have changed in the landscape. And, you know, when I grew up, um, a farm would have a wetland and, you know, fence lines, and, you know, those plants mm-hmm. would still be growing, but we don't really see that anymore. No. Hey, if somebody if somebody's coming from out of town to visit Mankato and they want to see the bison, would well, how do you recommend people go about? What's the best way to see them when and and where to go and that sort of thing? Just because I'm sure people want to see them, but there's no guarantee you will see them. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that's the problem. They have their they have their own mind and they will move. And it's you know even though it's only about 335 acres, they still have they still find places to hide. I would suggest um, we open up at 9. I would suggest that you go um, early in the morning just because they're the most active. Um, They're moving around. They're eating. Um, Later in the morning, they'll actually lie down, and uh, then later in the afternoon, they'll they'll go back to eating. So either early morning, late afternoon um, is a good time to go. Uh, The other thing is if you want to learn more about the bison, plan a trip on a Saturday. Um, We have bison ambassadors that work up at Miniopa. They're uh, community members, volunteers, um, and you can engage with them and ask your questions. And if they're not there, we also have some interpretive panels. Um, So even if you see the the herd as you drive through, I always stop at Setman Mill um, because there's more to learn about the bison up there.
And do you need a park pass to get into the that area? Yep, uh, park pass is always required unless it is one of our free days, which we have four across the year. Um, it's really become real easy. Um, you know, we have apps now. In fact, there are signs when you come in. Um, otherwise, if you you know want to still pay uh, cash or by check, we have self-registration. Um, the office is normally now open Friday through Sunday. Um, if you want to buy a, a annual permit uh, from there, you can also buy it through our self-registration. Um, but buying a pass has become really pretty easy to do. Well, I know now you can, if you get a vaccination after Memorial Day, you have a chance to actually get a, a park pass. Isn't that one of the incentives? Um, that could be. I guess I haven't heard that. I've been seeing a lot of other incentives going out there, which is um, great. Um, I, I th- getting people vaccinated is, I, is good. I guess the governor is going to be announcing officially, so we'll find out for sure. But I know a lot of the programs are coming back. The state park naturalist is coming back. What are some that are coming back in the near future that people might want to take uh, advantage of, Scott? Yeah, uh, so I'll be at Minneopa on Sunday. Um, I'll be doing a hike at 4 p.m., and then an evening program um, uh, talking about it's I call it the Minneopa State Park story um, covers everything about its history and other interesting uh, things about it. And um, both of those programs, in fact, going through the summer, um, you will have to register, pre-register, and that's easy enough to do. Just you know, type in Minneopa State Park. Uh, going to the calendar events, and it's all listed there, including uh, a way to send me an email to register. So the nature hike is 4 to 5 p.m. I see then that it says something about a Minnesota State Park story from 7 to 8 p.m. What is yep. that? So that's, again, just me talking about the, the history of Minneopa and then just talking about some of the more interesting characteristics about the park. Now there's another program on May 30th, which is Sunday from 1 to 3, which is Ask the Naturalist. Now, is that just another chance for people to just talk with you? And yep. yep. Where yep. do so you I'll meet? Be over... What's that? Where do you meet for all the, to, to get to these particular so, programs? For the, the, the hike and the, the uh, evening program, they'll have to pre-register. And like I said, they can just go to our uh, website, go to the events calendar, and then they'll find my email there, and then they can just send me uh, an email, and that way, that way they can register. We have we have limits in the number of people, and so we don't tell where we're having. Oh, um, okay. We're holding it until they register. But okay. they ask the escort. I'll be at the group campground. I'll just be sitting at a picnic table, and people can come over there and talk to me. Okay, very good. And now there's other parks around, too, that I've I've never been to Fort Ridgely, and they've got some uh, activities coming up, actually, this Friday already. So where is Fort Ridgely, and what's special about that particular park? Yeah, Fort Ridgely is about six miles north of Fairfax. It's uh, right along the Minnesota River. Uh, it's a beautiful park, uh, lots of trails. Um, it's known for uh, horseback riding, oh. and uh, of course it has the historical fort um, there. Um, really nice campground uh, that sits along Fort Ridgely Creek. Um, so it's just a really beautiful place, and um, as you said, I'll be doing two programs there on Friday, one a hike and then an evening program. Same thing for registration, just go to Fort Ridgely State Park to the events calendar.
What is Fort Ridgely known for? Is there any particular, like Minneapolis is known for its waterfall and its bison. What is Fort Ridgely's, I guess, highlight? Yeah, it's. I, I think the highlight is the historical fort um, that was there. So the commissary uh, building, they have some interpretive signage. And then uh, it's really what it's known for, um, I think, is the trail system. Um, whether you're going to walk, hike, um, or horseback ride, it's um, got a lot of trails for you to take advantage of. Now, do they provide horses? Because, like, I don't have a horse. <laughs> no, but there oh. is a local horse concessionaire oh. that's just north of the park. Oh, okay. Good to know, because otherwise, if you go there, you'd be disappointed if you didn't have a horse. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Now, Flandreau, I am familiar with. Flandreau Park is in New Ulm, and I see on Saturday you're going to have some activities there as well. So if people are in the New Ulm area and want to go to Flandreau, What's there to do on the Saturday? Yeah, the the unfortunate thing they they don't have the pool or the pond open. Oh, it's too um, early. Will that open coming well, up? I don't think it's going to open. Um, uh, as far as I know, right now it's not. They're not planning to open it. Why is that? Um, um, I think it's still with the COVID restrictions, oh. and then um, uh, the other issue is actually because it's getting so late into the summer, um, it's hiring staff. Oh, oh, darn. But you're going to be there yeah. um, uh, in the afternoon for a 3 to 5 p.m. Ask the Naturalist on Saturday, and it looks like you're going to have uh, another event at 7 to 8 p.m.? Yep. Yep. So, again, um, for Ask the Naturalist, I'll just be um, over in the day-use area, um, be at a picnic table so they can stop by and talk. Um, otherwise, for the evening program, same thing. They'll have to register, and that can be done. Again, just going to the Flandreau State Park website. Now, one thing Flandreau is known for is uh, their buckthorn, because they have an awful lot of buckthorn, but bringing in goats. <laughs> have the, are the goats there now? Because my, um, my in-laws live over right at the edge of the park, and they've been participated in getting rid of some of the buckthorn but also seeing the goats are they going to be around right now or no i i know that they were there i'm not sure if they're still there um, unfortunately i don't get over there as often as i'd like uh but yeah the goats have been uh something that has really helped in fact this is their third summer um so uh it's controlling the buckthorn and then other invasive species like uh, uh garlic mustard yeah, that's a that's a bad one. I know as uh, Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners have our garden down on Glenwood, uh, and uh, the garlic mustard has been an invasive that we've been working on getting rid of down there as well, and it's a, really a big problem. Are a lot of the parks having issues like that? Like I know the buckthorns in um, the Flandreau Park. Are others having issues with invasives? Yeah, um, there's really no p place that doesn't, it, mm. you know, just because of how... You know, people move things in, animals move things in, and then also um, anytime you have water, like a creek or a river, um, that's another way to to these invasive species to get in there. So Miniopa, yeah, we've we've had an increase in garlic mustard. We have wild parsnip, and of course buckthorn is an, always an ongoing issue as we try to get rid as much as we can. Another, uh, I see another park that's going to be having activities this weekend is the Blue Mound State Park. I'm not really exactly sure where that is because I don't, I haven't been there, but I see coming on Friday and Saturday there are activities. Where exactly is Blue Mounds? How do I get there and what does it feature? Yeah, Blue Mounds is over by Laverne. It's in the southwest corner of the state. 
think it's about two and a half um, hours from here. A little bit of a drive, but well worth uh, going over there. They also have the bison herd. That's really where our Minnesota bison conservation herd started. They got three animals back in 1961. In fact, um, back in 1970, there were six animals, bison, here at Sibley Park, and uh, they were actually moved to Blue Mounds. Oh, really? So where does the original genetics come from? Well, the original genetics, you know, that would be the animals that they brought in, like, from here and then other areas. Um, A lot of our bison actually came through federal herds. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, Wing Cave National Park, uh, Fort Nyabarro, um, those kind of areas. So, what we had done over the years was bring them in and to make sure there was no interbreeding. And then when genetics, really the, the... what we know about genetics, you know, started happening 10, 15 years ago. Um, then we found out how well we actually did, and that's why our bison are considered really as wild and as pure bison as you can get. Wow. And Blue Mounds, you mentioned the bison. Do they have a bigger herd similar to Mankato's, or what will we expect to see? Yeah, they have, no, they have a bigger herd. Um, they usually have about 65 to 70 animals going into the spring, and then 25 to 30 calves. Um, they'll have about 100 uh, going into next fall. Wow. Um, the only thing with them is that uh, they you don't drive through their range. Um, you can walk around it. Um, so that's kind of the issue there is that you might not get as close in view as you'd like. I'm assuming you when you say here. walk around, you're walking around outside the fence. Yeah, <laughs> okay. walk around outside the fence. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about with the one here in Minneopa is you can drive in there. Have you ever had any incidents of like bison getting mad and bunching a car or anything? No, the closest we get with our bison is they like to lick the the cars in the winter because of the salt. Oh, that's As long as people stay in their vehicles and don't harass them, I don't ever see that we'll ever have an issue uh, with our bison. I'm glad to hear that. That's good. But So Blue Mound sounds like one worth visiting because they're also having a scavenger hunt for families on Saturday, which sounds like a lot of fun. And that says limited to 30 participants, so that's why, like you said, you need to register ahead of time. Yep. Yeah. And Blue Mounds, it's just really beautiful landscape. They have this series of cliffs that look out on the surrounding um, area. Um, Just really beautiful park. Uh, Well recommend to visit there. Now, is the only one we've mentioned with camping, um, it was just, uh, let's see, um, was Fort Ridgely, did you mention camping there? Yep, yep. So all all state parks that I've talked about have camping available. I'm not sure they'll actually have sites for this weekend because, you know, things are really popular. That is done all online now. But but um, so is it open have... for camping now, though? So, oh, so... yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We've been open since last year for camping. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Now, the Nurse Strand Big Woods, I'm not familiar with that one either. See, I need to get out, don't I, a little bit. But uh, <laughs> Nurse Strand Big Woods, talk about that one and where it is and, and what's its highlights and features. Yeah, so that's um, uh, going over to the uh, east, uh, I suppose a little north of us, um, towards the Fairbolt area. Um, that is uh, another really beautiful park. They actually did have camping last year, but they're back in business for that this year. Um, they have a waterfall that you can walk down to. 
they're known for their wildflowers in the spring, um, especially the dwarf trout lily. And again, um, there will be naturalist programs uh, there for the weekend. Okay, and that looks like it's good programs too. They've got a, a, a walk with wildflowers, a wildflower walk there in Nurse Strand Big Woods, as well as talking about squirrels, which Al Bat and I chat about squirrels all the time. <laughs> it seems pretty common. And they've got a walking walks and science and things and frogs and toads programming. And then, of course, Miniopa, which we've chatted about as well. Uh, and sounds like almost all the state parks will be open this weekend then for uh, Memorial oh, Day. Yep, yep, yep. They will. Okay. Very, very, yep. very good. And it sounds like there could be limited, though, number of people, though, with the registration required. Or is that always uh, for 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 the programming? Yep. And then, of course, for camping, I would imagine that many of the sites have been taken. But, you know, you can always go online and see. Is there anything new happening in the parks world, Scott? Not that I know of anyway. And tell us, how how do you get a park permit, and what is it good for, and how much does it cost, and where do you get them, all that sort of thing? Yeah, so a park permit would uh, be $7 for a daily permit, so it's per vehicle, um, and then 35 for an annual, and that is good for a calendar year. So, like, if you buy it for this month in May, then you'll have it good until next June 1st of 2022. Um, you can buy them at the park office. You can buy them online. Like I said, um, there's a lot of apps now that um, you can purchase just by through your phone. And then we have self-registration if nobody's around, and you can pay through that way. Okay, so so it's easy to do, and, and you get a lot of access. And there's also the day passes too, correct? Yep, yep, that's $7, yep. So for people who maybe can't afford to go to the park, do you know when those free days are coming up, just to let our listeners know? Yeah, um, so the next free day is always the second Saturday in June. It's outdoor day, um, um, so that would be a free day. And then I think um, the next one would probably be the Friday after Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if there's uh, another one in between there or not. Okay, so just in case people want to, you know, go and check it out. What is your favorite state park, Scott? And I, maybe I shouldn't ask that if, if there's a favorite, <laughs> but I'm just curious which ones, you know, for different reasons maybe you have favorites. Um, I don't know if I have any favorites. Of course, I always fond of Miniopa. Um, it's in my backyard, and it's where I spend most of my uh, time uh, working. Um, but, you know, any of those other parks that I mentioned, I've always really had really fun times going. Um, if you're, like, into rock climbing, Blue Mounds is known for its rock climbing, and I've done that there. Um, and then, you know, there's many other parks that I would highly recommend. Any, any actually, any state park in Minnesota, you'll find something that's worth uh, checking out. Do most of the state parks have trails either for walking or biking? Yep. Yeah. Most most state parks do. Do they? Okay. I was just curious because you know if somebody wanted to go there for a specific activity um, that you would recommend one place over another because I know as you go further north, uh, there's some of the parks are connected by some pretty long trails uh, between parks and including here in southern Minnesota, the one that goes along the Sakata Trail. That. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, that will take you right over to Sakata Lake State Park. 
And, uh, of course, that will connect you over to Miniopa as you take different trails that are in the community. You know, I, we haven't really talked much about Sakata State Park. Talk a little bit about that. That's when I, I, I've ridden on the Sakata Trail, but I don't know a lot about the state park per se. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's got trails just like uh, anywhere else. They have a number of camper cabins that are are available for rent. Um, they also rent out, uh, I, I know, kayaks and I think canoes. Uh, so if you're looking for paddling on the lake, um, just a really nice uh, park um, that has both wood, wooded areas and prairie areas to check out. Are you noticing much for ticks this year? You know, some years it seems like there's a lot of ticks, and have they been out yet? Because that's a concern people have. I haven't noticed too many mosquitoes, but I've noticed they're starting. So let's talk about things in the woods that bother us and what we can do about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I haven't had any wood ticks. I've been doing uh, some cutting of buckthorn and things. I've been lucky, but I've had other people say that they've uh, found a uh, couple here and there. Um, I've heard also on the news that this could be a pretty significant year for wood ticks. Oh. Um, just, you know, keep eye on it. Um, mosquitoes, um, no, I haven't had any mosquitoes, but, you know, anytime we get um, excess water that ponds, um, the mosquitoes uh, will definitely be out, I would imagine, sooner than we want. Well, it, it's been quite dry, so I wonder if that's maybe slowed the mosquito yep. population yeah, down a bit. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. Yep. So for people who maybe don't like to camp because of bugs and things, do you have recommendations so, so they can maybe protect themselves, so maybe to make it a little more enjoyable? Um, well, I would say that, you know, coming during the day, um, bugs aren't quite as bad as you get into the evening. Um, they They do seem to increase in ferocity uh you know just you know check out i mean there are different types of uh sprays and things uh, depending on what you want pretty easy to find um whatever your comfort level is um, whether it's the local grocery store or local co-op um, they'll be able to help you out there more than i i can <laughs> on, on what you feel comfortable with what do you use scott um, I don't really actually uh, <laughs> use all that uh, much. I'm pretty lucky. Most books oh. stay away from me. <laughs> I've read that some people, they like sense of some people. I was thinking about getting um, one of these, uh, and tell me if this is like foolish or if, if these work, one of those nets that you put over your hat that's sort of like a, you look like you're in a little, almost like a beekeeper hat. And I'm wondering if those are effective because when I garden sometimes, I, I don't like it when they're, you know, bugging my around my head and right. I'm trying to garden and not use my hands you know over my face do those netting things do they work are you familiar with them at all I, I'm familiar I've never used them I have a friend uh, who is a botanist and she spends a lot of time in those thicker forested or prairie areas where you do get a lot of bugs and she always insisted that was the best way to uh keep them from <laughs> from driving her insane so so the, the maybe they do work a little bit at least yeah she did she 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 swore by them she always wore them when she was doing her botany work well i might try that i mean i might look pretty silly but i figured it's better than getting all bit up and i've noticed those no seams and things have you noticed those lately too i think that's what they're called 
Yeah, the gnats. Uh, yeah, I haven't, or black flies. Um, I haven't uh, seen too many or, you know, been subject to them. Is it still um, too I guess early? The way you can I, the way you can always look about if you want to look foolish or not is that <laughs> most likely you're going to look foolish around somebody that you'll never see again in your life. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that is a, actually very good, uh, that, Scott. That is some of the best advice I've ever heard. You are probably correct. <laughs> What was your other question? I'm oh, sorry. I don't, I don't know. That just, just laughed. I love that advice. So I was just wondering, is there a place you recommend for taking pictures in some of the parks, as, as far as you know, people who are photographers who want to go find a great place to maybe get some really great photos or things? Is there any that tend people tend to flock to because of uh, the highlights of whether it's plants? Or... Yeah, the you know the waterfalls at Minneopa, um, that's that's the big thing, and of course the bison herd, especially if they're in close proximity to shooting nice photos um I, you know i think the thing about when you're out shooting photos is anywhere you can get a good photo um it's just a matter of of just looking and and watching and uh you know you'll be able to find anywhere really something interesting and take a photo of do you have a lot more programs planned for the summer scott Yep, yep, I'll be doing programming at all three state parks as the summer goes on. And what is the site, again, people can go to find out whatever they want to in terms of programs, how to register, et cetera? Yeah, you can just type in either uh, the state park you plan to go to or else um, just type in Minnesota State Parks and Trails uh, calendar, and uh, that'll bring up all the programs at all the state parks. Well, thanks for informing us about a little bit more about the parks and what's going on. It's always great to encourage people to get out and get involved with uh, nature and, and uh, taking care of our, our earth. So thank you so much, Scott, for your time. You're welcome. All right. Happy bye-bye. <laughs> thanks. Yep, bye. Bye-bye. All right. That is Scott Kadelka, the uh, naturalist for our area. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also sp- supported by Lee Pomeroy. Thank you very much for that. And uh, it is 11 o'clock and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.